Um, I may have had a small crush on, uh, what was her name? Like Dominique Mochianu. Dizwins Radio, episode 851. Starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 we made it. Made it to the end of another month. I don't know about you, but it feels like the last uh, six months have been the longest year of my life. But uh, we we keep pressing forward. You know, it's it's getting hot and hotter and hottest in some places. Races are canceling. The second wave is coming, or maybe the the first wave has never left. I don't know. Who knows what the future holds? But uh, I do know that as long as the months keep ticking by, we are going to keep doing these Q and A episodes. Uh, so here we go. It's the end of June. Let's, uh, let's have some fun. Let's answer a few questions. Hopefully maybe crack a few jokes, put a smile on your face along the way as well. But before we get to that, a couple of quick announcements. And I know when I say quick announcements, you usually can go ahead and fast forward by five minutes, right? But, uh, um, try to keep these quick. I got two things for you today. One, in case you're new to these parts, this is something that we do every month. The, the last the last Friday of each month is dedicated to your questions, my answers. Hopefully, my answers to your questions are actually useful. If you have a question that you would like to get answered on a future month's Q and A episode, all you need to do is be. I mean, you can send me a question any old any old way on social media, email, whatever. Um, I will admit that sometimes those get lost in the shuffle. Um, not intentionally just, you know, come check out my inbox one day and you'll, you'll see why things get lost in there. Uh, but the easiest and best way to make sure that your questions don't get lost is to join the Facebook group. Just point your browser to disruns.com slash Facebook, or the next time you're happen to be putzing around on the book of faces, uh, instead of getting all pissed off because of the various political stuff that happens there, just point your, you know, just put in the search bar, the disruns tribe come over and, and join us. We keep the uh, the drama to a pretty much a free zone. Uh, we talk about running. We have some fun. We crack some jokes. And somewhere in the middle of the month, I put a post up that says, hey, what are your questions? And then you put your questions in the comments. I ask or I answer them here. Pretty, pretty simple process. Uh, and uh, always looking for more people to hang out, talk running, have some fun with. And again, if you've got questions, that's the best place to ask them to get answered on the show. The other announcement that hopefully... We'll get some traction with. I don't know. We'll, we will see. But uh, don't look now. But when the calendar officially flips over to July, which is like five days away, six days away, something like that, uh, the show will be celebrating its sixth anniversary, sixth birthday. Wh- which is it? Anniversary, birthday, both, n- neither. I don't know. But uh, at, at, on July 1st, the show will officially have been on iTunes and around and in and, and some of your earballs for six years. And so, um, not, not that I'm looking for adulation or making a big deal about that, but I just, you know, you, what can, what can I do? What would be an exciting way to celebrate? And, uh, I think what I'm going to do, I know what I'm going to do. I think it's going to be fun. I hope it's going to be fun is I want to make the next year or beyond as much about you guys that listen to the show as possible. So what I want to do is for the most part, interview y'all. So if, if you are interested in chatting with me, shooting the breeze, um, you know, asking that question about favorite distance to race and why, 
let me know. Reach out on social media. Send me an email um, and, and just say, hey, you're interested. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll begin that, that process. Uh, obviously this is something that I, I think will take at least a year. I mean, I'm hoping that of the, you know, 15, 16, 1700 people that, that listen to pretty much every single episode, um, and, and hopefully more, you know, continuing to grow, but I'm hoping that 52 of you will raise your hand. And so far from the Facebook group, I think I've got about 25 that have raised their hand. Uh, so, you know, we need at least like 25, 27, 28 more to get us through, um, through at least the next year. But if more raise your hand, then we'll keep we'll keep it going. So if you're interested in you know coming on the show, seeing how the uh, the old proverbial sausage is made, and uh, you know having a a great conversation over a few easy miles, uh, let me know and we'll get that start to get that lined up. Obviously, this isn't just like a week or two process. Like I said, we want to do this for a year. So you know you may say yes, I want to do it now. We may not get around to to actually recording until I don't know February, March, something like that. Um, but if you're up for a chat, I would love to, to make it happen. So let me know, uh, disruns at gmail.com or at disruns on all things social media. Uh, just say, hey, let's do it. And uh, we'll, we'll put you in the, the mix. And we'll, you know, I've already got a few of them recorded. And uh, looking forward to recording a few more and continuing to schedule them out and, and making this happen for at least the next year. Um, I do want to say I'm not exclusively only doing those interviews. You know, there might be some some instances, some authors, some books, some some different opportunities, some different things that pop up that I'll shuffle them in as well. But the priority are you guys, are you guys for the next year. So let's, let's have some fun with it. If you are interested and speaking of having some fun, let's have some fun with some questions and some answers today. We got about uh, 15, 16 today, which is a little bit less than usual. Y'all are slacking off. And I know as soon as I say that the next month, there's going to be like 47,000 questions and it's going to be a 14 hour Q and a episode. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But for now, like I said, I don't know what we got, 15, something like that, 16 questions, and uh, let's let's get to it. So the first one comes from Julia. She asks, uh, trail running. I've never done it before, and I'm so much slower by several minutes per mile than the same road pace with a comparable heart rate, even having to take some walk breaks. So will this eventually make me a faster road runner, even though I'm going crazy slow? In a word, Julia, yes. Yes, it will. So let's let's talk physics. Let's talk science a little bit. Let's talk uh, uh, first to make sure everybody's on the same page about why you're running slower on the trail. Because honestly, this is something that happens to everybody. You, you do not... I, I, I can't think of anybody, because it's science, because it's physics, that can run the same pace on the trail as they do on the road with the same level of effort, with the same heart rate, um, it's just not going to happen because of the surface, because of the difference of the surface, right? Like we, we don't need to, uh, be rocket scientists, astrophysicists, um, to, to recognize that the road is harder than the, than the, than the trail, right? You know, the trail, the, the softer surface, um, that does some, some shock absorption that, um, ugh, easy for me to say, right. That prevents the loading of your muscles as much as it does on the road. Think about, you know, if you had a tennis ball in your hand, you hold it out at shoulder height, you drop it on the, the asphalt or on the concrete, then walk over to the grass, take the same tennis ball, hold it at the same same height, drop it, which which rebound, which bounce is higher. It comes off the, the hard ground, right? Because when that tennis ball hits the ground, there's more elastic uh, force, or the, 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 the ball compresses more because of the firm surface, so it shoots back up higher. Your muscles do the same thing. When every time your foot strikes the ground when you're running, there's an elastic uh, force that's that's created in your calf, in your Achilles tendon. Okay, so when you hit on the hard surface, when you hit on the roads, on the sidewalks, there's there's less of that force 
that's being absorbed by the ground because the, the, the ground doesn't give too much, right? And so there's more elastic energy that's being preserved in your calf so that when you go to st- step forward with the next, the next stride, it's more of a springing effect. On the trail, on the softer surfaces, you know, same thing like if, if you ever run at the beach, why is the one on the beach so hard? Because that sand is super soft, right? So when, when your force comes down, when, you're, when your leg impacts the ground, yeah, you're still going to get some of that stretching elastic force uh, buildup in your calf, but the ground dissipates a lot of that force, right? The ground gives more than the, than the asphalt, than the concrete does. So you don't get as much uh, stored energy built up in your calf. So you have to provide more of the force instead of it being um, kind of conserved, you know, the law of conservation of energy for all you science nerds out there. I know, I know a little bit about science. It's enough to be dangerous, uh, but that's, that's kind of what's happening. Energy can't be created and destroyed. It can be, it, it can be stored and transferred. Well, on this, on the softer surface, it's getting transferred to the ground on the harder surface. It's not getting transferred as much It's getting stored into the, into the calf muscle, into the Achilles tendon, and it's springing you forward. So that's why on the softer surfaces, you have to work harder to run at the same pace. Ergo heart rate is higher. So now that we kind of understand why, how will that actually make you faster? Well, think about what we just said. You have to work harder on the trail. So you're working your muscles a bit more. You're, you're providing more of that force. So your muscles are getting stronger. Now it's not like the same thing as a strength training workout, but you're working harder. So now when you have to run or now when you get to run, when you know, when it's a race day or something like that, when you're on the roads and you're running at the same level of effort, maybe it's a race day because you're going to be, you're going to be pushing hard. So you're, you're pushing your effort more. Well, you got more force coming out of you with each, each stride or, you know, more, more muscular, more powerful muscular contractions, which then allows more of that, that, that springing effect, that loading effect with each subsequent stride. So you're going to be able to go, go, go faster go longer without fatiguing. Another th- benefit that might be a little bit easy to overlook because it's not flashy, it's not exciting, but it's n- it's still powerful, it's still substantial, is that running on the trail is... is l- there's a different type of injury risk running on the trail. There's more likely you're going to trip, you're going to step on something um, that, that rolls an ankle, things like that. But there's less of that wear and tear force because not only are you getting a little bit less force reaction from the ground because the ground is, is, is dissipating some of that force as well, but also your foot doesn't tend to hit the ground exactly the same way every single time. Okay. So, you know, when you're running on a flat surface, you basically, your, your foot strike doesn't ever change. When you're running on the trail, you're jumping over this route and you're, you're dodging this rock and there's, there's a little turn and there's a twist and, and there's uphills and downhills. And, and there's just every time that that happens, when your foot hits the ground, it's, it's fractionally different but it's different. And so that point of impact is different every time. Your stride is a little bit different every time. And so you're less likely to develop some of those overuse, wear and tear type of issues, provided that you got some stability because there's, it's a lot less stable as well. So maybe your, your core is working overtime. You could develop a little bit more IT band issues. But assuming that's not the case, you're less likely to develop some of the, the overuse, repetitive uh, injuries that are so common in our sport. So you're more likely to stay healthy without having to take breaks because of injury to then lose some of that fitness. So you, you're more likely to, to maintain that progression in your fitness, which, you know, if you've been listening for very long and Julia, I know you have been, you know, that's my, my belief. That's, that's like the biggest way to get, you know, to improve as a runner is to just keep running consistently without getting injured all the time. So that's another way 
that run on the trails can help you to, uh, to get faster if that's one of your goals. So, you know, trail running, it's a different animal. It's a different beast. It's, it's still running, but boy, it's, it's, it's different. It's different than, uh, you know, than, than road running, but there definitely can be mutually beneficial. There's definitely benefits both ways. So, you know, if, if it really frustrates you about how quote unquote slow you are on the trail, you know, turn the watch off, just get out there and have fun. Don't, don't look at the pace. Don't worry about the numbers. If you want to keep track of your mileage, keep track of your mileage, but don't worry about the other stuff. Just get out there, have fun because it is absolutely going to benefit you moving forward. So, uh, thank you for the question, Julia. And and hopefully the, uh, the science lesson made sense and uh, helps you understand why it can be helpful as a roadrunner to get some time on the trails. Plus it's just fun. It's a nice change of pace too. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, next question comes from Cole. It says, I'm not really a heart rate training guy, but I can understand the benefits of it. How often should I heart rate train during the week to see some benefits? Currently I try it twice a week. Is that enough? Also, what should my target heart rate be? Cole, interesting that you come to me and say, Hey, I don't really like heart rate training. So do I do enough? when I'm, when I'm always the one that's saying we never do enough, there's never enough heart rate training. Do more, do more. Um, but, but jokes aside, there are benefits to heart rate training, no doubt. And you know, when it comes to, to training by heart rate, training by effort, um, and different ways of training, different methods, different physiologies, you know, as I've, as I've said a few times in a few different places, like good principles are good principles. And so, you know, there's a lot more, if you look at the Venn diagram of training principles, there's a lot more overlap in good training principles that are related to kind of heart rate training than, than there's differences. So yes, Maffetone pretty much hundred percent, every run should be at or below your target heart rate. You know, when you race race, but for the most part be at or below, except for, you know, occasionally a little bit of, of periodization. It's okay to do a workout here and there, but for the most part, always under, then you've got your 80, 20 folks that are more like, you know, 80% of your training time should be below your, your level of heart rate. You know, you kind of that, that level of exertion, your lactate threshold. Um, so, you know, 20% of your, of your mileage or of your, of your time running during the week can be hard. 80% should be easy and various other, you know, good solid principles are going to have similar ratios, whether it's 75, 25, whether it's, you know, four runs, easy one run hard. I mean, however you want to break it up at the end of the day, most of your runs should be easy. And I say should, maybe, I, maybe I should, maybe I should not use that, that verbiage in order to, to get the benefits of training easy. Well, you know, which, which one of those is to reduce the risk of injury, to avoid burnout, um, to be fresh so that when you're going to go hard, you can go hard. You know, you want to do that most of the time. Again, whether it's 60%, 70%, 80%, 98%, like, like whatever, the majority should be in theory, according to these principles, easy. And according to the principles I believe in should be easy. Now, does that mean you have to use heart rate all the time? Not necessarily. All right. Now I wonder, you know, reading between the lines a little bit, I wonder if your aversion to heart rate training is just that you have to run slower than you like to run, which kind of tells me, or, or maybe could be, could be something that would tell you that like, Hey, maybe your aerobic fitness isn't as good as you think it is. So you're running hot, you're running hot, harder, which means your engines run a little bit hotter, uh, for most of your runs. And even though you think that they're easy, they're not, you know, th- that whole gray area situation, but you know, is twice a week enough. I mean, it's better than zero. Is it ideal? I mean, how many times are you running? You're running three times a week? Well, then sure, I guess twice is okay. You're running six times a week? Well, now we're looking at maybe like a third of your runs are are easy. 
I mean, if it ain't broke, I, you know, there's there's certainly a, a line of thought. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if that's the case, if, if a third of your runs are, are are legitimately easy and the rest of them, maybe you're, you're creeping a little bit too hard. Um, I feel like it's, it's I, I don't want to jinx anybody. Certainly not you, my friend, but, but you know, are you playing with fire? I, I, I think so. The professional, the, 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 uh, the, the learned, uh, the, the, I don't know. Can I call myself a learned man? The learned man that I am, um, says that, that boy, you're, you're asking for trouble. If you're doing two thirds of your runs are, are too hard, you know? Um, so it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to say what you're doing is enough. Again, I'll always say any, something's better than nothing. So you got a couple. That's great. Can we work on adding another one? Can we work on 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 bringing down even if you're not using heart rate, but can we bring down your pace a little bit, or or you know try to try to do some RPE, some rate of perceived exertion type of things where you setting all right. Well, this th- this feels like a, a six. I want to be more of like a four, you know, and kind of do something like that that doesn't rely as heart rate as much. Now heart rate, I feel like, is the most accurate, but it's it's not perfect, you know. And some sometimes it create more stress, so you can find ways around it. But uh, I would encourage you to get a little bit more easy running into the mix because it's going to build your base, which is going to help you be faster on race day. It's going to build your base. It's going to help you to be resilient to injuries. Um, it's going to build your base. or It's just by itself is less likely to cause injury because you're not working as hard. You're not, you're not running your engine too hot all the time. So, you know, I mean, all those benefits that I've talked about before and we'll continue to talk about going forward. I mean, the more times that you, the more often that you're running easy, the more often or the more likely you are to see those benefits. As for what should your heart rate be? Again, there's different formulas. There's different, different lines of thought. My line of thought is always keep it simple, stupid. So go with the, the Maffetone formula, which is the easiest one, which is 180 minus your age. So we'll, we'll plug in some numbers. Um, if you're 40, that means that 180 minus your age is 140. That should be your, your heart rate that you want to stay underneath to stay in the aerobic zone. And I know sometimes I screw this verbiage up too. I say that's your max heart rate. That's not your max heart rate, not by any stretch, but that's your max heart rate for staying in the aerobic building zone to, to stay in, in quote unquote easy land. All right. But again, there's different formulas. You can get more complicated where you find, you figure first your maximum heart rate, um, you know, which there's different formulas for that. You can go to the lab and get it tested. Uh, and then you can, can kind of create percentages off of that. More often than not, most of those formulas tend to be within one or two beats of the math formula anyway. And there's some adjustments with the math formula too, where if you've been, you know, running and healthy for a long period of time, you can, you know, actually add more beats to your mix. If you've been sick or coming off an injury, you can take some away so that you're not stressing your body as much while you're recovering. You know, there's, there's some variance there, but the simple approach is 180 minus your age. Um, and keep under that for your easy runs for your, your heart rate based runs that are, that are trying to stay easy. Um, and it's not to be clear, that's not your average. That's at any point during your run, you want to stay underneath that. Now, if you creep up above it a little bit, well, they'll just slow down and bring it back down. But you don't, the longer you stay above it, the more likely your body shifts into more of an anaerobic energy production. And once it shifts up, it doesn't shift back down. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't go, oh, well, we're at, we're at 146. So we better shift over and all right, we're not now, now we're back to 133. So, you know, we're back to, to aerobic, you know, uh, base building type of, of mileage. That's not how it works. So you want to stay below that, that aerobic threshold or that aerobic, you know, maximum number for the entirety or as much as possible of your easy runs to get as much benefit as possible. And the more maffetone of a disciple that you are, the more dogmatic you get about those numbers. But I hope that makes sense, Cole. And, and, you know, I'm certainly not trying to call you out and I think you know that, uh, but just saying, you know, if some is good, this is one of those cases where if some is good, more is probably better. Um, 
you know, as far as running easy, running hard, that's maybe the opposite. Some some running hard, definitely good, but too much of it playing with fire. And uh, we don't want to get burned if we can if we can help it. So thank you for the question. Next one comes from Rick. Says uh, beer 5K, one to three drinks depending on body size, followed by an easy 5K run. Good idea or bad idea? Asking for a friend. Well, Rick, I think you can tell your friend that uh, yes is the answer. It is a good idea, and it's probably a bad idea as well. Um, I will definitely say that I like the idea of a beer 5K a infinite percentage more than I like the idea of a beer mile. You know, just having having a beer or two uh, and then just go out and run easy sounds way more fun, way more likely that I would participate than slam a beer as fast as you can. Now run 400 meters as fast as you can. Repeat times four without throwing up because that just ain't, ain't happening. I am not, as I've said before, I am not a, uh, a quick beer drinker. I cannot, you know, just chug a lug a lug. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Uh, never has, uh, never been a, even, even in my crazy college days, I was never like a funnel guy, a shotgun guy. Um, it just doesn't work. Does it, it does not end well. It doesn't even begin well, let alone end well for me. Uh, but the idea of, of having a beer, even if I'm drinking it sort of fast, like not like milking it for 15 or 20 minutes, but, but not slamming it all down at once either having a beer or two, and then going out for a, a, an easy fun 5k with, with a couple of friends. I think I could be talked into it. Now it still could end well. You could still could have a fair bit of sloshing going on, which is where it might become a bad idea. But uh, I like I like that idea a lot more than I like the beer mile idea. So you know, a, an easy beer five k. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say it's a good idea and a bad idea, but I'll I'll lean more towards good idea. So if it, if it happens, if if your friend decides to do it, Rick, uh, let me know how it goes, and uh, don't be afraid to post some pictures as long as it mostly stays in the good idea category. We'd be curious to see how that works out for you. Uh, next question comes from Thessaly says, uh, it's almost the time for the original date of the 2020 Olympic games that we have to wait until 2021 to actually watch them. We can reminisce about the games from the past. What have been some of your favorite past Olympics to watch? Great question. Great question. Uh, you know, not that, not that any questions are ever bad questions, but just something different. Talking about and talking about the Olympics, I'm an Olympics fan, so I'm 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 game to talk about some favorite Olympic moments. Although, or or you know, Olympics to watch, which which begs the question: Are we talking about like like the entire two weeks? Like like, did you really enjoy you know the Rio Games or the the Athens Games or the Atlanta Games? Or are we talking about specific moments? Are we talking about winter versus summer? I will admit, I mean, I'm going to watch the Summer Olympics. Don't get me wrong. I'll take winter Olympics over summer Olympics all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. I like, I like the snow sports better. Um, and I think really what it comes down to me, when it comes down to the Olympics, why I enjoy the Olympics so much, I enjoy watching the sports that I can't watch the rest of the year, or at least are much more difficult to watch for the rest of the year. So, you know, when it comes to, to like the summer Olympics, I could care less about basketball. I could care less about tennis. Um, honestly, I could care less about gymnastics, um, which obviously gymnastics is not like every day, but you know, the, the nationals and the world's like, they show those on TV every year. Um, so like I can watch those events any old time, right? What can't I watch when it comes to the summer Olympics other than, I mean, I'm sure I could probably find them, but, but basically other than during the Olympics, when am I going to watch water polo or team handball? Or, or like the whitewater canoe and kayaking events. Like those things are awesome. I mean, not awesome in that I know anything about the sports, know how to, I've never really, you know, played them, uh, never done them. Um, even like synchronized swimming, like 
like that is an inch like crazy diving. You know, I, I love those types of sports. So I love watching those. Obviously, Winter Olympics, curling all day, every day. Yeah, sign me up for the curling. Um, but, you know, Winter Olympics, sign me up for the luge. Sign me up for the bobsled, ski jumping, you know, all that kind of stuff. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm a huge hockey fan. I don't really care about watching the Olympic hockey. I mean, I, I, I will watch it, but I would rather, like, only after I watch all the other stuff do I tune into hockey or basketball. Now, I will watch some track and field. Um, which again, I don't watch much track and field, even though it's usually on, you know, the, the different, some of the different games are on. Uh, so I'll watch it occasionally, but you know, definitely summer Olympics, love that, love the swimming, all that kind of good stuff. So yes, I enjoy the Olympics. Certainly going to miss them this year. Certainly looking forward to watching them next year. Now, if you want like specific moments, what are some of those, those moments that stand out to me over my, um, lifetime of, of being old enough to remember watching the Olympics. So, um, you know, I think it, it, going back, like, honestly, as far as like, like I can remember bits and pieces from like the 92 games from Barcelona and Lillehammer was the, the, uh, the winter Olympics. I think that was 94. Um, but it was like the first year that they started the stagger right between, uh, instead of having both the winter and summer Olympics in the same year, they, they started the stagger, um, but you know, I can remember little bits and pieces uh, from from some of those those games, but nothing really stands out. Uh, but '96, of course, being in, in America, um, you know, the Carrie Strug situation with with the the women's, you know, and I'm saying I don't really care for gymnastics, but um, you know, back then, I mean, how how did you not, you know, ex- see that and just be excited and her landing that that vault with a broken ankle? Um, I may have had a small crush on. Uh, what was her name? Like Dominique Mochianu, um, who was a gymnast as well. So, you know, why, like that was, that was exciting to watch as well. Um, so, you know, 96, definitely that, that stands out. Um, you know, Michael Phelps over the last, uh, what, I mean, 12 years, you know, the last four Olympics from, from Athens until, um, Rio and just the things he's done in the pool and, and how many medals he's won. Um, obviously some of them are team medals as well, but just, I mean, that was that, that just his dominance of the sport, um, was, is pretty incredible. Uh, so that, that certainly stands out. Um, David Radisha winning the 800 meters, um, and just world record, just crushing in London stands out a little bit. Cause I, that, that man is just, just a beast. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's like I said, I mean, it's kind of like various moments that stand out, but a lot of it, and this frustrates me about the Olympics has to do with like, what does NBC show us? Right. Because they, they like produce it to be like, you know, these, these human interest pieces. And I'd rather just watch the sport. Like, that's why I like, I like to watch the water polo because NBC doesn't know anything about water polo either. You know, like there's no like saga, there's no story. Um, it's just, here's, you know, Bulgaria and Hungary out there in water. Like, yes, sign me up. I will watch that all day. So, um, you know, I, I like the Olympics. I'm looking forward to it. Um, next year, hopefully fingers crossed, everything kind of at some point starts to, to resemble normalcy. There's vaccines and things like that, hopefully. Um, but, uh, but yeah, great, great question. Thanks for talking. We can talk, hopefully we'll, maybe we'll talk Olympics again next year, uh, as well, but thanks for the question. Thessaly next one comes from Jeff. How do you measure progress using a math test without controlling for temperature? Would it be a better idea to do a math test on a treadmill to control for temperature, wind, etc., or is that too anal? Jeff, that, that's a, I wouldn't say it's too anal. I think it's a great question. It's a great thing to think about um, because you're right. You know, when it comes to doing the math test, and for those that aren't aware, basically what the math test is, is it's a, it's a way to measure your progress when your heart rate training because what you do is you go out and you run the exact same route, trying to keep your heart rate in a very tight window, basically keep the heart rate as, as similar as possible on the same route, kind of at the same time of day. You try to do everything the same that you can. 
But if you're going to do that outside, of course, how can you control for the variable of weather? I mean, you can't, right? And, and you know, for, for a lot of us in the summer months, it's going to be warmer. So, you know, anybody who does heart rate training knows that when you're running in the summertime and it gets hot and it gets humid or it gets hot and dry if you live in the desert, but either way, it gets hot and your heart rate's going to be up because your body's working on cooling itself, taking blood to the surface, which means less blood to the muscles, which means your heart's beating faster or beating more to try to get the same amount of of blood and oxygen to your muscles to help propel your, you know, keep you moving forward. Um, so it's, it's, it's a factor. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when I do my math tests in the summer months, like the progress doesn't seem as, as, uh, it's not as, as, as pleasing to the eye. Let's put it that way. When all of a sudden it seems like you're not getting any faster to me, I just try to remember that, Hey, as long as I'm not losing too much ground in the hot in the hot and humid months, um, that when it does cool down again, when my body doesn't have to work as hard to stay cool in those, those early morning math tests, then all of a sudden my numbers are going to start looking a lot better. There's going to be a big jump. You know, there may be zero movement from May through October, but if I compare March to November, there hopefully will be a pretty big jump. And as long as it stayed pretty steady through the, through those hot months, I'm okay. Now to your question, Jeff, would it be better to do it indoors where it's maybe more climate controlled where the weather's not a factor it's not a bad idea if you like running on the treadmill for me that would just cause me more angst and and stress and and you know i'd just be more more just ah that my heart rate would probably be through the roof like i'd probably have worse numbers on the treadmill than i would have outside um but yeah i mean you can you can eliminate some of those those variables although i i would hesitate to say that you eliminate all potential variation especially if you don't have your own treadmill if you're doing it like at a gym um, you know, there's other variables that could come into play because are each, is each treadmill calibrated exactly the same? Not likely. So, you know, you may, you may run, you know, a certain pace on one treadmill, but on the other, it's not, you know, what the number says on the screen versus what you're actually doing may not exactly be the same. Uh, there may be some, some variations with distance. Although if you're using like your, your watch, your Garmin, something like that, if it has a setting for indoors, then maybe that takes some of that guessing game out. So you can eliminate some of that. But you know, if, you, if you're not, if you're relying on the treadmill to tell you how far you went, you know, a mile on one treadmill and three quarters of a mile on the other treadmill may be the same distance and they may neither of them be an actual mile. You know, there's, so there's that variation. So, you, you know, you need to make sure you're on the same machine every time. Um, you know, if you're doing like an indoor track, um, you know, there's other people that are running that that could cause some stress and anxiety. Um, you're more turning. I mean, you know, there's, there's, it may seem like I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but again, you know, there's just potential variables, some, some potential ways to, uh, skew the results a little bit. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's too anal. I think that the, the thing that you need to do when it comes to your math test is try to make it as replicatable as possible. So if you're going to do it inside, do it inside, period. Don't go outside when the weather's convenient and inside when the weather's not convenient because now you're, you're running different different courses, different routes, different surfaces. Of course, you know, the treadmill, you're, you're not having to, prov- to to maintain your own pace. Like you just press the button and it does what you need it to do. So there's, there's that that's going on there too. Um, I don't think that running the treadmill means that you're going to have inaccurate results. You just need to run the treadmill every time you need to run on the indoor track every time you need to run the outdoor route every time. There's always going to be a little bit of variables. Of course, inside you, yes, you are going to control the weather a whole lot more than you are outside. You just got to do what works for you, you know? And, and for me, I'll roll the dice on having some, some numbers in the summer that aren't great. And as long as they're not terrible, then I know that, Hey, things are probably going, going all right. We'll see the improvement in the fall. And that's what happens for me pretty much every year. So that's how I do it. You can do it the way that you want to do it. 
Um, but just again, I think the, the moral of the story is anytime you're doing any type of test, whether it's a, it's a, you know, a mile, uh, a hard mile test, uh, like a mile time, a mile time trial, easy for me to say a 5k time trial, um, you know, whatever a math test, any type of, of test, you just want to keep things as consistent as possible. So routes, machines, whatever, that's going to give you the most accurate results over time. But yeah, I mean, outdoors, it's a variable that can't be controlled. Although of course you can always maybe adjust the day you do it. So like if you're, if you're supposed to do it today, but it's the weather sucks, but tomorrow it's going to be better. Like maybe just shift it to tomorrow problem solved. So there's ways around any problem, but you know, you, you can do your math test how you want to just be consistent with it. That is the key. Thank you, Jeff, for the question. Next question comes from Jason. What is the shortest run for distance slash time for a recovery run? I mean, I don't know that there's a minimum. Like, like I, I feel like this is one of those questions where I get what you're trying to ask, I think, Jason, but, but I, I think it's kind of coming at it from the wrong angle. So instead of looking at what is the shortest distance or time for a, a, a valuable or a, a useful recovery run, let's not worry about distance or time as much as effort. All right. So, you know, are, are you going to get maybe more benefit from a couple of miles than you might get from... 15 miles? Well, yeah, probably because 15 miles is no longer going to be recovery. Uh, you know, like that's, that's serious work. Um, are you going to get more benefit from two or three miles than from one mile or from a half mile? Maybe, maybe not. But what, what, what really is going to make the difference is how hard are you working? Are, is your recovery run actually easy? Are you actually running well below your, 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 you know, whether it's zones, whether it's mafetone, whether it's maximum heart rate, whatever, are you, are you running it relatively easy? Like not relatively easy, legitimately easy. If so, you're going to get benefit from it. You're going to get some of that movement. You're going to get some blood flow. You're not going to beat your body up as much. That's what we're going for. You know, if, if you start veering into that gray area of, eh, it's not really hard, but it's not really easy either, either then it's no longer a recovery run. And so it doesn't matter how long or how short it is. If it's not a recovery run, it's not a recovery run. So keep it easy. Focus on that metric. And if you've got, you know, time for 30, 40 minutes, great. If you got time for 15, 20 minutes, also great. Is one greater than the other? I, I mean, we're splitting hairs at this point. Like who, you know, they're both, they're both valuable. They're both better than zero. So as long as they're easy, as long as they're easy, that's, that's the metric to really pay attention to. I think Jason, as opposed to distance or time. So, uh, hope that that clears it up a little bit. Um, again, I mean, you know, I don't know that there's a, a thing is too short. I mean, I'm sure at some point, like if you're only running to the end of the driveway and back and your driveway is like six feet, then it's probably not doing much for you. It's not going to be bad for you. It's just not going to do anything for you. Um, but just keep it easy. Get a mile, two, three, half a mile, whatever, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. I mean, all lots of wiggle room there. As long as the effort is where it's appropriate for an easy run. Uh, next, next trifecta of questions. Next three, all from my man, Tom. Uh, the first one, pretty serious question. The next two, a little bit more shenanigan-y. I appreciate the, the, uh, the, the variety, Tom. Thank you for that. So the first question, when during a hot weather run, should I consider an electrolyte replacement drink versus just water? I really only carry water on my long runs, but some have suggested that I bring an electrolyte drink instead. Um, you know, Tom, I, I feel like so I feel like the surface answer, like the simple answer that I'm probably supposed to give is like, you know, anything over like two hours is where you probably want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're replacing some stuff, uh, making sure you're getting some salts back into your body because, you know, like it's hot and you're sweating and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, surface answers, eh, 
not not the biggest fan. Um, I would I you know, and it's a sliding scale. This this isn't a one size fits all thing. Like honestly, my first my first uh, gut instinct here is like, so other people are suggesting it, but like, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel fine during your runs? Do you feel fine after your runs? Meaning, like, are you struggling with like a headache, feeling real lethargic, really beat up afterwards? Like, are are you super? Um, you know, are you noticing like lots of crystallization? Are your are your clothes, if you're wearing a you know, shirt or a hat, visor, whatever, are they like caked with the white crystally salt? Well, if so, then you're losing a lot of salt, so you want to replace some salt. If they're not, then like you're fine. You're fine. Like, like you don't have to replace salt during a run if you're not having any problems. And then zooming out a little bit broader here, you know, the idea of replacing salt during a run, like okay. Like there's nothing wrong with it. There's some science that says that's, that's helpful, especially for really long duration stuff. But if you're not going longer than a couple of hours, like, eh, you know, like, like that might, that's long for a long run, but like in terms of your body, like, eh, that's not that long. Uh, the other thing to consider, the other thing to keep in mind is like, you know, what are, what are you doing the other 22 hours of the day? What are you doing the other 160, whatever, hundred, what is it? 168 hours in a week. So what are you doing the other 160 hours that you're not running a week as far as replacing electrolytes go? So, you know, if, if you're, you know, it's summertime, we're all sweatier than normal. It's all, it's hotter than usual. Um, so we want to make sure we're, we're, we're taking in enough salt. Now, if you're depending on what you're eating, you may not need to add any more salt. Like we may have plenty of sodium in your diet, but you know, if you eat a fairly clean, clean diet, you may need to add a little bit more salt to your, to your mix this, this time of year. Um, but it doesn't always have to be during your run is what I'm trying to say. Like, like I add a little bit of salt to my water bottle every time I fill it up. No, it's not enough that it's like super salty, but it's a noticeable difference. You know, it's not just pure water. Like there's, I put a couple of shakes of, of sea salt in there, you know, um, you know, do you salt your food a little bit more liberally, you know, use, use, add a little salt to the, to the fresh veggies. Add, you know, I know some people add a little salt to the, like their cantaloupe or their watermelon. Not exactly my jam, but Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. But, but that's the type of, of way to keep kind of keeping your salt stores high, keeping your, your electrolyte balance where it needs to be because if it gets too high in your body, like our kidneys are pretty good at filtering that out. All right. As long as you're staying hydrated as well. So, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself when you're not on a run with salt, with electrolytes, with fluids, I think is way more important than during. Now, again, that's under the caveat of you finish your run. You don't have a headache. You're feeling fine. I know some folks that if they don't take some salt right before their run during their run, even if they're drinking water, they finish their run with just a splitting headache and they're kind of laid out for several hours, if not even the rest of the day, just trying to recover because their, their electrolytes get so far off out of whack. As soon as we introduce some salt to the equation, boom, problem solved. Good to go. So, you know, if, if you're in that situation, then yeah, by all means, have some salt, have an electrolyte drink, you know? But the other thing I, I, I question is maybe these guys that are these, I guess I, I'm assuming guys, but these, these folks, these friends of yours that are suggesting that you bring an electrolyte drink as well, you know, maybe it's, it's like a Gatorade, like Powerade, something that's got some, some calories in it as well. So are they suggesting it more for that than for the electrolytes? I don't know. Um, you know, but, but again, I, I just kind of default to if what you're doing is working, if just having water for your long runs is working, I mean, it's just a long training run. It's not like it's a race. It's not like you're trying to dial in your fueling strategy perfectly. Now you can use it as a chance to, to practice that. But once you kind of know what works for you on race day, then, you know, whatever. I like to train in a depleted state anyway to force my body to figure it out so that on race day, when I add some calories, when I add some sugars, um, 
you know, it's just an extra boost instead of something that we, we are relying on anyway. So, you know, there's that as well. But again, I think long-winded way of saying, as which seems to be the, the typical situation today, long-winded way of saying, if you're not having any issues, then I don't know why you would need to add electrolytes to the mix. I don't think it's going to cause you any problems, but I just don't, don't feel like it's going to make any difference. Like, it's not like electrolytes are this huge performance enhancer. If you're not cramping, if you're not a real salty sweater, if you're not getting, you know, some headaches after your runs, then it sounds like you're okay on the electrolyte balance front during your runs. So, you know, carry on as per usual. Uh, next of Tom's trifecta questions. Number two here. Uh, while I fail to understand your aversion to 5k races, are you doing any virtual races this year? I mean, you know, if it, Tom, if you like 5ks, you run your 5ks. I don't like 5ks. Um, so I don't run 5ks, you know, I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's kind of how it works out. It's just it's too hard. Too many people never gets a chance to spread out. Just, Oh, I mean, just, eh. Not pleasant, not pleasant. But anyway, am I doing any virtual races this year? I am, I am. So um, currently involved in two virtual, you know, can you call them races? I mean, they're like ongoing, months long, years long. One of them's a year long. One of them's a four month long uh, journey. So I don't know, calling it a race might be a bit of a stretch, but I did, I did take part in the ordinary marathon, uh, a month, I guess a couple months ago. I think it was in early May that that happened. Um, didn't really do anything fancy for it. Just you know, logged my miles, got, got my, my mileage in, um, which is kind of how I'm doing with the, both the run the year challenge, which is, you know, 2020 miles for the year and the uh, great virtual race across Tennessee of which I, uh, am just, you know, uh, with a, with a week left in the, in the month crossed the, uh, the halfway point of that race as well, which runs through the end of, end of August. So I'm, you know, a, a little bit ahead of, of pace there. Um, but you know, I mean, those aren't like, like proper races. It's just kind of stuff to help keep me on track, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm doing both of those, having fun with them. Um, you know, will I do more depending on how things shake out this year? I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like really opposed to virtual races. They don't really scratch that much of an itch for me. Um, but I mean, I've, you know, this is three of them that I've done this year. So, you know, will there be a fourth, a fifth? Jury's out. Not gonna not gonna commit one way or the other. Uh, I don't anticipate, but never know. Never know. But uh, but yeah, virtual race. I mean, shoot, this year that might be the uh, at least for the rest of the year that might be about the only option anyway. So you know, who knows? Maybe that's something that uh, I might look into a little bit more um, because Lord knows there's no shortage of options of those uh, available these days as well. Uh, another question, last of Tom's questions from the for the month: If you were to eat buffalo wings, would you want blue cheese or ranch? There is only one correct answer. I agree with you, Tom. There is only one correct answer, and it's blue cheese. Period. End of. So yes, I would, I would, I would demand blue cheese with my wings, one hundred percent. But thank you for the questions, Tom. Uh, next one comes from Ed. What is the weirdest interaction you've had with a stranger, runner or non-runner, while out on a run? And it's, it's, a, it's a good question, but it's one that I don't have a good answer for. I can't really think of anything that I would consider interesting. You know, like, I mean, I've, I've had some interactions, um, you know, with, with runners, kind of some of those random conversations that pop up when you're, when you're running with somebody for six, eight, 10 miles, um, you know, the, the random bathroom stops behind a tree or behind a bush or whatever. Uh, but I don't, I don't feel like those are weird. I feel like that's, that's pretty common, right? Like that's, that's just kind of what happens when, when runners are out there for, for long runs together or, you know, doing workouts together, things like that, where maybe somebody pushes a little too hard and has to throw up, um, or just, you know, ha- ha- can't keep going with the pace. They crash, they bonk, whatever. Um, uh, but again, I don't feel like that is weird as far as non-runners. I mean, I haven't really had much of, you know, kind of the, 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 uh, random person that like honks their horn at me because I'm 
too much on the road, you know, whatever shenanigans get over. Um, or, you know, the, the run forest, like that type of thing. Like, again, like it was a, a ridiculous, but I don't really class them as weird. So, um, I can't, I can't really think of anything that, uh, has been a weird interaction. Um, I guess I'm just boring and, and maybe it's because I, I am fortunate enough to live in a town that's very runner friendly. Like it's, it's a great running community. Um, so obviously not everybody is runner friendly, but like, you know, there's enough runners out there that I think that, that everybody kind of knows, especially on the weekends, like people are going to be running. So, you know, kind of be, be aware, uh, if nothing else, but, um, but yeah, I can't really think of anything that's, that's been a strange interaction. Uh, sorry, but that's a, that's a fun question. And Ed, if you have, if you have a good story, please share it. I'd be curious to hear your weird interactions that you've had while out on a run. Next set of questions comes from Mona. I think she's got like a, a four set or a five set even. Goodness. Mona, getting your money's worth, which is fine, which is fine. I don't, I don't say that uh, cruelly at all. So the first question from Mona, what does a normal week of running look like for you in terms of miles? I can't do shorter runs. It almost feels like I could have done better if I went, uh, like I feel like I could have done better if I, if I do anything under 10 miles. How can I redirect my mind to be okay with the variety of distances? I'm doing all, alternating days or every, every third day with a day or two of, of cycling in between, but like 10 miles each, each run, you know, Mona, I mean, if that works for you, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, that's not what I do. Certainly not. So, so my typical week is about 45 ish miles plus or minus, which is, uh, about five and a half miles typically on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, about eight, eight and a half on Wednesday and somewhere between 13 and 15 on Saturday off on Sunday, always off on Sunday. So for the last, the last three weeks, you know, of, for the the first three weeks of, of June, that meant that uh, the first week was 46 and, uh, and a quarter miles. Uh, the second week was 44 and three quarters. The third week was 47 and a quarter. So, you know, there's a little bit of variance, but that's, that's kind of where, where things end up. And that's the basics, you know, basically the variance comes from the weekend. You know, some weekends are 16, 17, some are 13, 14, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, but that's, that's what works for me. You know, and, and if, if you feel like you need to get out there for a couple hours to get your, your 10 miles in, I mean, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I would, I would certainly try to, to, uh, or I would, I would question why you feel like less than 10 isn't good enough. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not reading that you say that it's, it's useless, but that, you know, you feel like you always could have done better. Well, like, I mean, yeah, you could have gone farther, but like, there's nothing wrong with quote unquote only going five miles. So, so why, you know, I guess my question back to you is why, why does five feel like it's, it's maybe not good enough? Certainly it's not 10, but it's more than zero. And it, you know, it can help with consistency. Like there's, there's, there's nothing that says that every run has to be a, a double digit long run. Um, but again, there's nothing that says that it can't be. So, you know, if, if that's working for you, if you enjoy that, if you enjoy alternating or going every third day, getting a little bit of, of cycling mixed in as well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. But, you know, I don't know that I have a great, here's what you need to do to redirect your mind or change your, your thinking. Um, just, you know, just, just encouraging you that, that, Hey, you know, there's, there's no one size fits all anything in this sport. And that's the same thing with, you know, distance of, of runs. You, you can adjust, you can, you can tweak, you try it, play with it. Maybe just force yourself to do some shorter runs for uh, a week or two and see if that doesn't help to change your mind. And if, it, and if every run just feels like it's, it's not fulfilling, then switch back to your you know, minimum of 10 miles on every couple of days. And if that feels more fulfilling, if that scratches the itch, then, then rock on, then rock on. 
But uh, um, I don't know if that really answers your question. I mean, I guess it answers it from what my normal week looks like, but I don't know if it helps you with, with wrapping your head around it, but it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you just, you just got to do what, you know, ultimately you got to do what makes you happy with the sport. So, you know, adjust as needed. Uh, next question from Mona. Uh, also, I noticed the crusty salt on my face while coming back from my run. I do take electrolytes when I'm, uh, back home. So like after she gets finished taking the, the electrolytes, um, uh, but I do take electrolytes when I'm back home, but I don't carry it. I don't carry any fuel other than water on my long runs. And most of the time that's about 13 miles. So again, uh, or most of the time it's, it's two hours, uh, and over and, and closer to the 13 miles. I've never gone over 14 miles though. Do you think, all right. So that's, that's the end of the question. Uh, cause they're all kind of jumbled together, which is fine. Again, I'm just trying to make sure I'm reading the right question at the right time. Um, so, you know, again, kind of like, like with Tom's question, if it, if, it, if that works for you, then, then, you know, I mean, you can, you can experiment. You can see if taking some fuel or some electrolytes works better for you. But if, if when you finish, even though you're you're clearly a little bit of a saltier sweater, which is okay, it's just just body chemistry, physiology. Some people do, you know, have a heavier salt content. Some people don't. No big deal. But if you if you're crusty salt, then that means that you're sweating a bit more, probably. Um, but if you're not having headaches, if you're not having issues, not cramping, not things like that, then I don't know that you need to take salt with you or take more fuel with you. But you might experiment with it. You might try it out. Um, and and as you if you start to go longer, that may be more of a factor because you're a bit saltier of a sweater where maybe for a couple hours, it's fine. But if you start getting into a two and a half, three hour type of long run, then maybe it would be more of a factor. So it's just, you know, kind of like experimenting with the, uh, the, the duration of your runs kind of might be some experimenting with electrolytes and fuel, um, and stuff as well to make sure that those electrolytes within your system stay in a good balance, especially in these hot months. So again, not maybe the greatest answer, but just try things out, experiment a little bit. Um, you know, if what you're doing is working, then I'm hesitant to say change it, but don't be afraid to experiment a little bit and see if maybe something works better for you, uh, depending on maybe some other symptoms that you're experiencing that aren't mentioned in your question. Uh, next one, do you think Epsom salt baths, baths help? It definitely feels good. Um, I've honestly never taken an Epsom salt bath, so I can't say whether or not it helps. Uh, you know, I, I know some people, I think it's, I think at the end of the day, like it's relaxing, right? Like that's, that's half the battle right there. Um, so you relax, your body can shift into recovery mode. It's going to help you feel good. It's going to help your body kind of do some of that repair work. Um, you know, is there magic in the salt? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I don't know. I mean, I've never tried it. I've never done it. Um, so I can't, I'm just, you know, chiming in from the peanut gallery, which is, I guess is what I do in these episodes entirely anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion at least certainly not a, an, a experienced opinion on the topic at all. Um, I guess the fact that I've never done it means that I'm not that worried about it, but you know, if it, again, if it works for you, it works for you. Uh, last of this four pack of questions is, uh, let me find it here. Um, shaved ice or ice cream. Which one do you like best? Also what flavor ice cream all the way. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I've got some favorites, but I think if, if, if I had to nail it down, I could only have one flavor of ice cream going forward. Not that I eat ice cream that often, but you know, I like a little bit of variety there, but, uh, I think mint chocolate chip is, uh, is my favorite is my favorite. If I had to pick one mint chocolate chip, although, you know, they make, uh, they make like a mint moose tracks. That's pretty legit too. Like I like the mint, I like the chocolate, but moose tracks, you get a little bit of fudge, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of peanut butter cups in there as well. That's good stuff. Mint, 
mint cookies and cream. There's a theme here in case you haven't figured out. I like that minty, the little minty ice cream. That's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. But I mean, honestly, like ice cream, not a big chocolate ice cream fan, but ice cream is good. Period. Uh, one more question. I noticed on, uh, from Mona, I noticed on my run today that my right foot sometimes rubs against my leg, my left leg during my run. Uh, I'm trying to remember if the left leg does the same. I can't remember, but it happens sometimes when I change different shoes. Um, is this something that, uh, you think is a problem with my stride with my shoes? Have you ever heard anyone else having this kind of problem? Um, I wouldn't even class it as a problem, Mona, especially if it's something that happens very sporadically, not something that happens with every stride. Um, just one of those things. One of those things that happens. It happens to me once in a while where I'll clip the inside of, of my, my, you know, my calf, my shin with my other foot as it swings through. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't read too much into it unless it's something, unless you're doing it so often that you're tripping, that you're bruising yourself, that you're caught, that you're having real problems there. Then you might want to try to widen your, your stance out a little bit, but it's just, you know, it's just part of running. Don't, don't, I, I don't feel like it's probably something that you need to make a, a bigger deal of than it already is. And I don't think it's a big deal. So just, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. Maybe it's shoe related. If you notice that it's always the same pair of shoes, then maybe there's something there. But if it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that happens from time to time. Nothing, nothing more than that. Most likely. Uh, next question. Three more to go. Next question comes from Michaela. Uh, so you may have answered this in the past, but I'll ask anyway, where did the Diz and Diz runs come from? Nickname brainstorm session. Just curious. So, <sighs> Yes. Yes. I've been asked this in the past. And I don't, I don't sigh. Like I have to tell the story again. It's just, I don't know that it paints me in the, in the, in the best light, but I'll tell you the story. So, uh, when I was in college, it was kind of like peak Snoop Dogg, faux shizzle, um, that type of, of era of Snoop Doggy dog, right? Like everything was faux shizzle. Um, and myself and a, a few of the guys that I was friends with could like legit, carry on full conversations talking Izzle. So it'd be like, like Yizzle, Wizzle, Hizzle, you know, like, like, I mean, we were just full on conversations, full, like full on, like, yo, what's up? It'd be like, Yizzle, Wizzle, Hizzle. Um, and I mean, just, just full on conversations. I know I said that a couple times, but like, like it almost boggles my mind that we could, I mean, five, 10, 15 minutes, never saying anything other than, you know, Dizzle, dizzle, izzle, whizzle, whizzle, tizzle. You know, this is the way we talk. Like that, it was just how we would do it. And so for whatever reason, like I was the one who really got saddled with the, the dizzle crizzle as my, as my, like my nickname. Um, and then that shortened, got shortened to, to dizzy crizzy and then eventually got shortened to just diz. And so, you know, it was, it was a good nickname. It stuck. I, I didn't, I, I didn't fight it. I actually kind of liked it. Um, and, and to the point where, I mean, that was like my freshman year when it all got really like got, got established. And by the time, like I graduated college, like, like I am convinced that there were a few people in, you know, I was in a fraternity. I was a few of the younger guys in the fraternity didn't know that Diz wasn't like my name. Like I, like, I think there were a few guys that, that like legit thought that that was like, wow, that's an interesting name. You know? And then they'd see like your picture on the composite and be like, Whoa, your name isn't Diz. I'm like, yeah. Like what, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, why would you think my name is actually Diz? But like, everybody called me that. Everybody called me that. Um, so just kind of stuck. So, you know, out of college, still my nickname, still all my, my college friends call me Diz. Um, and so when I went to start the the website, which was just going to be a blog at first, it was like, I'm not creative. So I was like, well, you know, my nickname's Diz. I'm going to run. So we're going to go with Diz Runs. Um, 
and then, you know, as they say, the rest is, is history. So when it started the podcast, like, well, Diz runs, like that's kind of my, my name, that's my brand or whatever. Uh, and just, and just went with it. And so that's, that is where Diz came from. So I hope that, that, uh, I don't know if that's too disappointing. It's not disappointing enough. That's hopefully it's worth a laugh. Um, but for shizzle, that was, that was Snoop Dogg is where, uh, where it came from. Good times. Good times back in the day. Uh, last two questions, both from Barb. First one, what is your opinion uh, of the Hypervolt Therapeutic Massager? Any thoughts on using it for plantar fasciitis or other running maladies? So, um, I, again, kind of like uh, the question with, with Mona um, about the this Epsom salt baths. Like, like Barb, I've never used one of them. Um, I don't think that they're bad. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a much... I don't want to say it's much ado about nothing. I think that it's overkill in a lot of cases. Um, I think that, that, uh, you know, it's, it's not that much different than any other type of massage tool. It works a little bit differently. It gets a little bit deeper. Um, but I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've never used it, so I can't, I can't really speak, uh, specifically on it. Um, I think that if, you know, if you can, if you can get one, if you want to get one, go for it. I think there's benefits to it. You're going to get some of that, that compressive or that concussive, uh, benefits of concussive type of massage or per- percussion massage. Um, so, so yeah, go for it, whatever. As far as using it for, for plantar fascia, um, I'm not sure it'd be as good for that as it would be for more of like the, the thick tissue areas of like glutes, hamstrings, quads, maybe calves. I think those would be like ideal places for it. Um, just because they're the thicker, denser muscles. So it like helps to get down into them a little bit. Your, your plantar fascia, like, like, I mean, I guess if you can adjust the power of them so that there's not too, too concussive and not too much force behind it, that it might help, might work. Um, but again, you know, like, is it going to be more useful than rolling on a golf ball on your foot or something like that, or just massaging with your, with your hands? I don't know. It'd be more beneficial. It'd be just a different way of doing it. So, you know, if you, if you got it, use it, that's, that's ultimately the key, right? Any of those, any of those different tools, whether it's a foam roller, massage balls, uh, the hypervolt, like whatever it is for it to work, you got to use it. So if you get it, use it, that's the name of the game. And if, and if spending a couple hundred bucks on one of those things is more likely to make you use it, then maybe it's, then probably it's a couple hundred bucks very well spent. So, uh, you know, get one. And if you, if you do get one, Barb, let us know how it works. Let, let us know your thoughts of it after you've used it a few times. Uh, and then last question. If there were a race that was going to be run this summer and you wanted to run it, would you? Interesting question in that, you know, kind of pulling in a, a lot of uh, very timely question, I guess, is, is a way of, of uh, saying it. So if, if there was a race that I was looking forward to and it was going to happen, would I run it? I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm looking forward to it, it would really come down to what a, it would come down to where it's located. So right now being in Florida, if it was a Florida race, yeah be a little bit more sketchy about it because of all of the, you know, the spiking cases down here because Florians, uh, maybe don't exactly make the most logical choices sometimes. Um, we're not exactly the, 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 the best at, uh, doing the right thing down here. Um, so, you know, if you're, if if it was a race in an area where like there was a huge spike right now, I'd be a little bit more cautious, but I'd also look at what is the race doing to try to mitigate the risk? You know, is it, is it like a rolling start? Are they, um, requiring masks? Are they encouraging masks? So that, you know, like, like what is, what are, there's a lot of variables, I guess what I'm trying to say beyond just the race is happening. Are you going to do it? Like I would, I would love to do it. I'd love to be around runners right now. Um, but also, you know, don't want to be foolish. Like, like I'm not, I'm not one that just dismisses the stuff with the virus. Like, like 
I don't know exactly how serious it all is. I don't know what all is the true information is the false information. The fact of the matter is people are dying because of it. Um, and so, you know, like I'm not super worried about if I get it, but I'm also not like, Hey, I want to get it. Like, I don't want to get it if I can avoid it, you know? And so being at a race with, with several hundred, maybe several thousand people, like, like that's a risk that I, that I don't know that I'd be willing to take unless there were other modifications being made to help me feel a bit more safe about it. So it would, it's a tough, it's, it's, even though I said like, yeah, I probably would like, I probably would if the right modifications were in place. Um, if I felt like I could do it without being exposed to too many people at once, you know, like I said, staggered start, probably a long enough race or a short enough race that people are finishing and getting out of there or that it has a chance to really spread out. Um, but, but I don't know. I don't know. It would like, it would be a very case by case situation. Um, and it would depend on, depend on the race for sure. Like I'm not afraid, but I'm also not going to be reckless, which is kind of a blurry line sometimes, especially in these times. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would consider it for sure. I, I'm not a hundred percent. No, I'm definitely not a hundred percent. Yes. Lots of variables to consider, uh, if, when it comes to running races right now, but you know, if there's one thing we've seen with this, with this virus is that things can change in, in a week or two pretty dramatically one way or the other. So, you know, for, for races that are farther off in the summer, you know, I, I, if it was me, if I was signed up for a race that still hasn't been canceled yet, which there's fewer of, of those every day, but if I was, I wouldn't necessarily be feeling like I had to pull the plug right away. Like I like, let's see how things shake out over the next month, over the next six weeks, um, and make a, maybe a, a bit more informed decision for myself as the race gets closer. So how's that for being noncommittal, trying to st- straddle the fence, not say anything too, too dramatic one way or the other. Did I, did I, did I thread the needle? I hope so. I hope so. So thank you for the question, Barb. And thank you all for the questions. There we are just over an hour. Last month, we were a two hour monster this month, an hour and five minutes, something like that. By the time it's all said and done, not too shabby, but thank you for the questions all. Once again, if you want your questions answered and you're not already part of the Facebook group, come join the Facebook group. And even if you don't want me to answer your question on the show, just come join the Facebook group. Anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of good people there. Um, we have a pretty strict, no douche policy. So if somebody comes in and they are a douche, we just kick them out. Problem solved. Douche eliminated fun continue to be had. So uh, come join us, disruns.com slash Facebook, or just search for the Disruns Tribe. And if you're interested in being interviewed on the podcast in year seven, can't believe that the show has turned six now into the seventh year, or will next week, will be into its seventh year of the show. Uh, but I want to make it as much about you as possible. So if you're interested in joining me, let me know. Uh, or if you just have feedback on this episode, if you think one of my answers was ridiculous, if you want to try to tell me that shaved ice is better than ice cream or that ranch is better than blue cheese, you'd be wrong in both cases, but I'll, I'll take your argument. You know, let's let's try to reason here and I'll, I'll point out why you're wrong. Let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram, also Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, Dizruns.com slash 851. If we got for memes, gifs, links, show notes, shenanigans galore, all there, Dizruns.com. 851 and there's of course that comment section down below again you can try to convince me that ranch is better than blue cheese i'm not buying it but you can you can try bring it bring it bring your your irrational discussion your irrational points and i'll tell you why you're wrong uh but uh y'all thank you for listening hope you enjoyed this one uh if you did hit the share button send it along uh and thank you guys for the questions without your questions we don't have these episodes so thank you for doing that and uh, y'all until next time y'all please be well take care thanks again for listening and uh we'll talk soon all right See ya.